In Jesus, we have a high priest who is able to sympathize with our weaknesses, one in who every respect has been tested as we are, but without sin. So therefore, let us confess our sins with boldness so that we may receive his mercy and grace to help in the time of need. Merciful God, you made us in your image with a mind to know you, a heart to love you, and a will to serve you. But our knowledge is imperfect, our love inconstant, our obedience incomplete. Day by day, we fail to grow into your likeness. Yet you are slow to be angry with your children. For the sake of Jesus Christ, your Son, our Savior, do not hold our sins against us, but in your tender love, forgive. In Jesus' name, amen. God promises always to love and to forgive us even when we don't follow his way. Nothing could ever separate us from God's love because Jesus lived and died and rose again. So we know this, and friends, we need to believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. <laughs> Now let us repeat the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell, the third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Well, on this cold day, let's warm our hearts by greeting one another. <laughs>
welcome to worship here at Church of the Palms. We're glad you're with us this morning on this balmy February morning. All things are relative, I guess. We shouldn't complain. We are grateful that you're with us. We hope that you will find this to be a place of welcome and worship and also a place in which you feel commissioned to go out into the world to serve our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We encourage you to fill out the friendship paths which are in the pew and pass those along to your neighbor and note those folks who are sitting near you and uh, make them feel welcome as well. And uh, you may want to make a quick visit underneath the tree and uh, grab a hot cup of coffee and, and then head off to your, uh, your spiritual formation classes or discipleship classes, which are many and available. You may want to get there early, you know, so you can get warm. So that's, uh, that's all good. We uh, begin Lent, we have begun Lent actually with our Ash Wednesday service on Wednesday. And uh, we are uh, continuing in our journey with John and we invite you to be reading along with the rest of us through the Gospel of John as we take a walk with Jesus through his life and ministry and as we uh, journey to the cross and to the empty tomb. And uh, we're inviting you to read that one chapter a day and perhaps you'll read, get a chance to read through it twice during the Lenten season as we make our way closer and closer to Holy Week. Also, we invite you to come on Sunday evening for our class on Revelation, the Revelation to John, and uh, for the chance to learn a little bit about that very interesting last book of the Bible. And uh, many people have thoughts about that, and it will be a chance for us to delve a little deeper into that book and to learn some more. So we hope you'll join us for that. Uh, we are uh, encouraging you to continue to support our uh, student sponsorship ministry. This is a chance for you to come alongside of our, our student ministry, our middle school and high school kids, especially our high school kids as they head off to uh, Montreat and our middle schoolers who head off to their own uh, summer trip. And uh, that's a chance for you to do that. There, is, um, there are sponsorship forms in the pews that you can take with you. And uh, for just $72, you can support a student in that ministry. And it's a great way for you to, to let those students know that we are very much behind all of their efforts. So we encourage you to do that. We also have an opportunity for you to nominate uh, a friend or yourself as a shepherding deacon, a chance for uh, us to put people over households within our congregation to let them know that they are being cared for and connected, and there's information about that in your bulletin as well. And today we, uh, we launch our hearing loop system. If you notice in the back of your bulletin, there's uh, information about a new hearing system that we have put into our sanctuary. And uh, it, it involves uh, hearing aids. You just flip the switch on your hearing aid to a T-coil setting, I guess, and that will put you right into our audio system. And it's just a wonderful, wonderful gift that we received from one of our church members. And we're very delighted to be able to make you aware of that. And um, I think it's row seven, actually, in our sanctuary where it doesn't work. So I'm sorry about row seven, but <laughs> we'll, <laughs> we'll let you know a little bit more about that when we, um, when we get closer to uh, uh, giving you a chance to know what pew that actually is. But we are gla glad that we have this opportunity and if you want more information about that, it's in the back of your bulletin. And we also wanted to make you aware that uh, the memorial service for Marguerite Bliss will be this Friday morning at 10 o'clock here in the sanctuary. Marguerite, the wife of our dear uh, pastor, uh, Phil Bliss, who passed away just a couple of weeks ago. So you may wish to be with us for that. And then we are glad to be able to welcome 
Dr. Craig Barnes, who is the new president of Princeton Theological Seminary. And many of you know that uh, Church of the Palms has partnered with Princeton Seminary to help to uh, construct a new library there, one of the, well, perhaps the largest collection of theological books in the world that uh, we are coming alongside to support. And we are grateful that uh, Dr. Barnes is here today to, um, to uh, connect with us uh, through Princeton Seminary and to share with us a little bit about uh, our relationship. And we're just so grateful, Craig, for your being here and for the opportunity we have to get to know you. And we look forward to having you greet Craig after the service this morning. Bob Barson is here to share with us a little bit about our SHAPE ministry. So come on up and he has a friend, Andrea, to share some. Good morning, I'm Bob Barson, an elder here at Church of the Palms and the leader of the SHAPE team. March 1st and 2nd, we're going to hold our 11th SHAPE class here at Church of the Palms. Many of you have been through the class, about 200 of you have been through the class. I'm not going to go into the details of the class this morning because the information has been in the palm fronds and in the Sunday bulletins you can read there about the class. One misconception I do want to kind of clear up is I've heard some people say, well, I've already been to a spiritual gifts class. Well, we do cover spiritual gifts, but we do a lot more than that. We take a look at your passions. We look at your life gifts and how they might be used here in ministries. We have a, a, a section on personality, on how you get along with other people and how to better get along with other people in ministry, which is very important. And also on how you might use some of your life experiences to share your story with others as well. We also give you an opportunity to meet with a shape coach where we will explore those things that you learned in the class and how they may fit with different ministries here at Church of the Palms or in the community at whole. That's all we try to do is just help you try to find a little place in the ministry where you may fit. Sometimes, somehow, some way, probably through the Holy Spirit, somebody a couple of times has come through the class and has gotten a lot more out of the class than we intended. One such person is Andrea McHenry, who's now going to share with you her experiences. Andrea? Thank you, Bob. Good morning. I uh, went through the SHAPE class about a year, a year and a half ago, and for me it was um, a great experience. I was going through a time in my life when I decided, okay, Andrea, it's time to go back to work. The kids no longer needed me quite so involved in their world, um, so it was time for me to go find something that I really wanted to do. So my parameters were I wanted a job that I loved, I wanted a job that I felt like I was making a difference, and I wanted a job where I felt like I was using the gifts God had given me because I really had never felt like I was using my gifts. But my problem was I didn't know what they were. So I had read about the shape class in the bulletin for months, and I decided, okay, it's time for me to do it. Well, it was an awesome experience. The facilitators were great. The group of people I was with were open and honest and shared. Um, and during that time, along with a lot of prayerful consideration, I was pulled or drawn into um, this feeling, overwhelming feeling that I needed to go back to school. And I went back to school to study nursing. And as of Tuesday, I will start the senior portion of my nursing class. And I have to say that I love it. I feel like I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. Um, the other thing that the SHAPE class did for me, which kind of took me by surprise, was it really showed me what I wasn't. Um, I'd always thought of myself as a leader uh, my whole life. I had felt pulled into leadership roles. I, um, I'm 
able to talk to people easily. I'm very outgoing. I love to be involved. But when I went through the shape class, that was on the exact opposite side of the spectrum as to who I really am. And for me, it was liberating. I could let all that stuff go, all those guilty feelings of being in the back of the room thinking, oh, please, don't let me volunteer for this because it's not what I, I don't want to do it. And now I know why I felt uncomfortable in a leadership position. It's because that's not where I'm supposed to be. So um, if you feel drawn at all to go to the shape, <clears throat> the shape class, excuse me, um, I highly recommend it. You might learn something about yourself that you never knew. Thank you. Thank you, Andrea. So in conclusion, the uh, next class is Friday, March 1st, and Saturday, March 2nd. I will be under the tree. If you have any questions and registration, you can pick up a workbook at that time. Thank you. Gracious God, each of us might give a different answer if we were asked why we are here this morning. For some of us, it is a weekly discipline we have carried out for years. For others of us, we are here because something happened this week that made us want to be with the people of God and to hear a word from God. Some of us 
were dragged here beyond our wills. Most of us might wonder if we are here because you simply wanted us here. Your spirit pulled us here. Your heart drew us here. So maybe we have stumbled into this place of only to find sanctuary from whatever elements in our lives that have buffeted us and made us unsteady. We are seeking to take hold of something more steady than what we have on our own, some foundation from which to live our lives. How grateful we are to be praying out of some sense that what lies beneath us is something solid. And we are grateful that you wish not to imprison us here. Your aim is not to simply capture us, but to commission us, to send us into the world with a calling and a purpose. You love us enough not to allow our lives to be as small as what we need for ourselves, but as big as what you need for the world. We confess that we are not always sure of what that might be or even what use we could be for the world, but we trust that the Spirit who called apostles long ago is the one who still mysteriously leads us to those places and people that most need us and where we most need to be. Dare we then pray for the world? For to pray for the world is to wonder where we are to be in the world as may be the answer to this prayer. That to pray for the hungry is to wonder what we could do for more people to be fed. To pray for the sick is to wonder what we could do to bring comfort. To pray for the lonely is to wonder what we could do to bring companionship. To pray for the jobless is to wonder what we could do to help someone find employment. Dare we pray these things and so stumble forward more into the joyous purposes of your kingdom. Yes, Lord, we pray for the world and for the leading of your spirit. All this in the name of Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray, saying, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Let us continue our worship through the presentation of our tithes and gifts and offerings. <clears throat>
Let us pray. Most gracious and generous God, we give you thanks today for all the blessings that you have given to us each day. We also give you thanks for loving us all the time. We bring our offering to you so that you may expand your kingdom and use for your glory. We bring them to you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. I would like to invite Lori and the children to come forward. Please be seated. All right, let's move. Good morning. I believe I should start up here. Good morning. Good morning. I got eyes everywhere, even in the back, just like your mother. Yes. <laughs> Come on down. So I have something really important for you to remember today. You know how we're talking about peace this whole month? Sometimes to keep the peace means that you have to have your eyes open for a chance to be a peacemaker. And let me tell you a story. It comes from 1 Samuel, Old Testament, 25th chapter. There's this really rich man named Nabal. He has like 1,000 goats, 3,000 sheep, lots of food, lots of money. Well, David had all of his men staying nearby, and they came to Nabal, and, they, and he said, hey, would you share some of your food? Well, Nabal wouldn't share it. How, can, how would David feel? What do you think? That he wouldn't share. What do you think? Think he'd be sad? Yeah, he was sad. He was mad. He was so mad that he was going to go kill Nabal with like 400 of his men. Now, that's a little extreme for not sharing his food, but that's what he wanted to do. Now, here's where the eyes come in. Abigail, who is married to Nabal, saw how mean and selfish her husband was, saw what David was going to do about it, and you know what she did? She became a peacemaker. She gathered up all of this food and she took it to David and his men and she put it at his feet and she said, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry that my husband has been like really mean and really selfish. Please forgive us and please accept this food. And David accepted it. And there was peace. And that's what we need to do. We need to keep our eyes open for ways that we can be peacemakers just like Abigail. Will you pray with me? Gracious God, we thank you for eyes to see, ears to hear, hands to help. Please be with us as we try to be peacemakers everywhere we go. Amen.
I want to thank you uh, for the wonderful honor of being asked to stand in your pulpit uh, this Sunday morning. I'm here today with uh, my wife, Dawn Barnes. Dawn is, stand up. There we are. It's all downhill after this introduction. I just want to make sure you, you got the highlight of my presentation. Don and I are very grateful for the hospitality that we have received here, for being a part of your very vibrant ministry, and for being given the opportunity to stand before you and thank you for your tradition of supporting Princeton Seminary. As you've had wonderful pastors who were trained and shaped by Princeton Seminary in the past, I want to assure you the seminary is hard at work trying to form the church leaders of tomorrow. We can only do that because of the support of congregations like this one, and we are very grateful to you. Now let us turn to God's word as it comes to us from Acts chapter 16, beginning at verse 6. They went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. When they had come opposite Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So, passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision, and there stood a man of Macedonia pleading with him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. When he had seen the vision, we immediately tried to cross over to Macedonia, being convinced that God had called us to proclaim the good news to them. The word of the Lord. Let us pray. Holy God, we've placed our lives now in front of your open word, asking that the same Holy Spirit who inspired the writing of this word would allow us to hear it. Take this word deep into the most protected chambers of our hearts, that it may transform us closer into the image of the word made flesh. This we ask in the name of Jesus. When the missionaries Paul and Silas and their companions Luke and Timothy found themselves in the seaport town of Troas, they were confused. That's because they just spent a whole lot of time trying to pursue the will of God, and they kept making mistakes along the way. They kept running in to roads that had been closed to them. The changes are great that you know something about this. Life confronts us with so many choices, and some of them are very important choices, choices about relationships and work and health and how we will steward our finances and our time. Now, since you're the kind of folks who hang around churches, chances are great that when you make these choices, you ask God for help along the way. So you want you want someone to pray with you about the choice. Maybe you look through the scriptures. Maybe you try to pull some people together to have a time of discernment, maybe talking to the pastor about your choice. And then the time comes for making this choice because you're at a fork in the road. It's going to have to be A or B. 
And so you do the best you can, you make the choice, only to discover after you've been down this fork in the road for a while that the road's been closed and you made the wrong choice. After all of that prayer, what happened? Were you not listening correctly to God? Was God not speaking? Well, I think what the apostle would tell us from his own experience is those are not the right questions. Our text today describes a time when Paul was on his second missionary journey. He's wanting to, in part, evangelize some new churches, but also to visit the churches he already established in the first journey. He's come from the east. He's now getting ready to head south. He wants to go into the Roman province of Asia, which is now Turkey. Perhaps he wanted to visit churches in Ephesus and Colossae. But we're told that the Spirit forbade him from going south. Now, we don't know exactly how the Spirit did that. It could be that there was some inner voice, inner conviction. The Spirit said, no, your plan is wrong. We do know that there was a road that went south from where Paul was at the time called the Via Sebasti. And our, our archaeologists have determined that often this road would wash out. Maybe that's how the Spirit forbade them from going south. Maybe the road washed out. Sometimes that's the way the Spirit leads. This provides, I think, a terrific insight into how we discern God's will. We discern it by the God who chooses to come with us along the way in the journey. Sometimes opening roads, sometimes closing them. Now that is not what most of us want. What we want is for God to make it very clear where we're supposed to head, and then maybe provide some celestial map quest to get us to exactly the right spot. We want to wake up in the morning and see fiery letters painted on the bedroom wall. Marry the short guy. <laughs> Support Princeton Seminary. There we go. That's not what God wants. We want that because we want certainty. There is very little in Scripture that promises the Christian certainty. What Scripture promises is a life of faith. Faith in the God who journeys with you. And when the road that you have been taking has closed, that doesn't mean stop the journey. It doesn't even mean that you're wrong. It just means that God has already revealed all that God's going to reveal at this point. If you can't go south, go north, which is exactly what the next plan is that the apostles have. We're told that they wanted to head up north to a place called Bithynia, which is up by the Black Sea. But then the Spirit forbade them from going north also. I love this part of the story. They've come from the east. They tried to go south, and they couldn't go south. Then after, I'm sure, more time of prayer, they tried to go north, and they were forbidden from going north. So then the apostle says to his missionary colleagues, I am now certain about the will of God. We're going west. Right, because that's what is left. 
But out of faithfulness, he continues to move. He doesn't stop. He doesn't wallow in discouragement. He doesn't even spend time getting angry at God. When he's heard a no, when he's encountered a closed door, the point isn't to figure out why the door closed, who was right, who was wrong. The point is to just keep moving in the directions that are still available to you. So they keep going to tr until they get to this place called Troas, which was on the Aegean Sea. We're not told that they had any special visions at this point until they got to Troas. They just kept moving. And perhaps they stopped at Troas because that's as far as they could go before they hit water. And they may not have been sure as to how they ended up in Troas. Surely you've had moments like that in your life when you found yourself in Troas. You didn't expect to get to this place in this relationship or in your work life or maybe even the community that you live in. How did I end up at this part of my life? This was not what I planned. You ended up there because you faithfully kept moving along with God. Your mission is not to get your life to the right place. That's God's mission. Your mission is to keep paying attention to the Savior who walks beside you every step of the way. Sometimes when people are confronting um, difficult choices, they will come and, and see one of their pastors. Over the years, I've, I've had this conversation many times with people who want to know, should I go to this college or this college? Should I uh, stay at home uh, raising the children or try to go back to work? Is it time now to retire or should I work a little bit longer? Should we sell the big house and move to the condo or hold off on this decision a bit longer? Should I take the job in New York or Chicago? Pray with me about this, Pastor, New York or Chicago? And so as I listen to them go through their pros and cons and we try to include God into the conversation, often at some point they'll turn to me and they'll say, well, what about you? What do you think I should do? And then with as much spiritual, profound voice as I can muster up, I say, I don't know. <laughs> it's at this point that people figure out why pastoral counseling is free. <laughs> so, I don't think God is up all night worrying about this choice you have to make. I, God is not saying, oh, I hope he chooses New York, because if he goes to Chicago, I can't help him there. <laughs> These towns both belong to God. The Savior will find you wherever you choose to be of service. Again, what we're looking for is certainty. What God wants to keep giving us is God. Of this I am certain, Psalm 25 says, all the paths of the Lord are steadfast love. And God owns all of the paths. All the roads belong to the Lord. You're not going to choose a fork in the road that's going to take you away from the Lord. Not if you keep turning to the Lord in prayer saying, I'm a little confused here, but I'm certain about your love, and that's good enough, as long as you journey with me.
That's all I need. In the words of C.S. Lewis, God can even use all of the wrong roads to get you to the right place. That's what we mean when we talk about the sovereignty of God. So in the words of another theologian, Yogi Berra, <laughs> when you come to a fork in the road, take it. <laughs> You're not going to choose a fork where the Lord cannot find you. I think we need to be developing more of what I would call a theology of plan B. It's a theology that goes something like this. I thought this is what God wanted. It's now clear that I was wrong. I need plan B. It's not a particularly complicated theology, but I do think it's one that we bump into all the time. It's particularly important for anyone in leadership to think about the need for moving sometimes to plan B. In every congregation I've served, a moment's come when I've had to say, you know, I was really sure this is what God wanted for us. I got it wrong. I am sorry. When I said that to the church I was serving in Washington, D.C., they all stood up and applauded. <laughs> it's the only standing ovation I've ever gotten in my entire ministry <laughs> for saying I was wrong. People forgive leaders for getting it wrong, for making mistakes. What they can't handle is a leader who's determined to keep an organization in the ditch. If the road is closed, you just turn around. You go to plan B. There is plenty of biblical precedence for this. Abraham's plan B was to have a child by Hagar. Moses' plan, excuse me, his plan A was to have a child by Hagar. He had to go to plan B. Moses' plan A was uh, to kill the Egyptian in order to liberate the Hebrews. David's plan A was to be a shepherd. Peter's plan A was to prevent Jesus from going to the cross. Paul's plan A was to keep evangelizing Jews. He spent much of his ministry going to a new town, entering the synagogue, preaching to the Jews, getting kicked out of the synagogue, then preaching out in the streets, and Gentiles would come, he would form a church. He'd go to the next town, he'd go to the synagogue, he'd preach in the synagogue, he'd get kicked out of the synagogue, he'd preach in the streets, Gentiles would get converted, and then he would start a church. Near the end of his life, he says, you know, I think I was supposed to be an apostle to the Gentiles. <laughs> Sometimes I have a hard time giving up plan A. But every one of these people had to go to plan B, which was God's plan all along. Why wouldn't we have to go to plan B? Now, some of you I know may be up to plan X or Y or Z by now. That's okay. You can go to double letters if you have to. But you have got to get off the hook for being right all the time, even right about the will of God. That's called hubris. And that's one of the deadlier sins. You don't have to be certain. You have to attend to the Savior who travels with you on any road. And wherever it is that you're attending to a Savior who is with you is always the right place for you to be.
There is a wonderful epilogue to this story. Once they did stumble into Troas, tired and confused, it was then that the vision came. It had been a long time since they'd seen miracles or visions, but the vision did come, and it came at the right time. And it was a vision for them to cross the sea and to go into Macedonia, which is the first time the gospel entered Europe. And then after a long time, the gospel left Europe, and it went to so many other corners of the world through missionaries, including it coming to America and to Sarasota and into your life. We received the gospel because some faithful missionaries kept moving even when they were confused. In the name of the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.
Be certain only of this. You cannot make a choice that will pull you outside of the love of a Savior. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. This broadcast is coming to you from the Sanctuary of Church of the Palms in Sarasota, Florida at 3224 B. Ridge Road and brought to you live each Sunday morning at this time. Church of the Palms is a Presbyterian church, USA. Of the contained rates of God, come accompanies.